Hi, I'm Ron Melamed, co-founder of Things.me, and you're listening to The App Guy. The App Guy podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, The App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy podcast. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp, and uh, we have a great guest lined up. I'm going to go straight into it because this guest has effectively saved my podcast listening life in a way. Uh, I, uh, several months ago, I was getting some really terrible problems with the default uh, podcast app called uh, well, iTunes, <laughs> the Apple podcasting app, and it was just crashing and uh, it just led, led me to look elsewhere for listening to podcasts. I mean, obviously, that's very important to me being a podcaster. So I found RSS Radio and I fell in love with this app. I recommend you all go and download it right now. It's RSS Radio. It's on the uh, iPhone. Uh, it's in the App Store. And I managed to uh, grab some time with the creator of this app, the founder. It's uh, His name is Daniel Broad. And so he's the creator of RSS Radio. It's my favorite podcast app. And I wanted to thank you, Daniel, for taking some time to talk to us today. No, it's great to be here. Thanks for those uh, those very kind words, Paul. Much appreciated. Well, the thing is, I want to thank you for creating an awesome app. It really is. Uh, I love all the features about RSS Radio. And, you know, I just, I downloaded it and it made me think a little bit about how we discover podcasts. Uh, you know, apps, because I would not have discovered you unless it was the fact that I decided to go elsewhere when Apple broke, which is quite unusual, I guess. And then I was wish I wish I was using that, for, you know, years ago. So, well, before we start, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about you, Daniel. Uh, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what it is you do and how you come you ended up creating this uh, app, RSS Radio. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, obviously, my name is Daniel Broad. Um, uh, these days, I'm an independent iOS developer uh, based in a small market town here in the UK. Um, I actually have 13 different apps on the App Store. And, um, and from those, I su- support myself and my family. Um, I suppose one of the most interesting things about um, my journey is that the most successful apps, and RSS Radio is, is certainly one of those, um, they're ones that I made for myself. So um, I guess you could sort of say I'm an accidental App, app Store entrepreneur, really. Wow, that's great. Well, uh, I think that you, a lot of the Appster tribe listening to this right now are a little bit envious because a lot of our uh, pursuit with the um, with becoming app developers is to support ourselves in, in the apps that we end up creating. And how come you've you've managed to do this? I mean, what, what were you doing before creating apps and perhaps to talk through that switch and transition to then, you know, doing this? Yeah, I mean, I've always been an IT guy. I've always been a developer. Um, you know, computers runs in my family. Uh, you know, my dad was into computers. Um, but uh, I sort of got interested in uh, interest in podcasting really early on. Um, this was like 2005, something like that. Um, and actually, I did, back then, write a version of RSS Radio for Windows, and believe it or not. Um, now that didn't turn out to be such a good uh, business model, as as you probably know, uh, Apple introduced podcasting into iTunes. Yes. Um, so so yeah, that sort of uh, that's put the kibosh on that. They do, they do um, that a lot, and I think there is a name for it. They they call Sherlock. it Sherlocking. Yeah. Now, absolutely. Do you, so you know that where does that come from? Uh, 
I've always uh, used it, it, but I never knew this. this what the yeah, I, uh, a, there was some sort of application called either well, what Sherlock or Watson or something like that, um, which was kind of a search function on the Mac. Um, and of course, these days I think we have Spotlight, um, and they basically sort of uh, knocked knocked them out. And, and ever since then, uh, yeah, Apple have a reputation for this. Um, I mean, no hard feelings. I wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't something I was attached to. Uh, it was just something I needed for myself. So. You know that, that was fine. I wasn't uh, too upset by that, but of course Apple did me a favour when uh, they introduced the iPhone. And, uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm sure they uh, were totally thinking of that, Daniel, at the time. And that you know we <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> no, I mean you know the uh, I didn't even um, even really do anything initially with the iPhone because back then. Um, when the App Store first came on, they wouldn't let podcasting apps in there, and there was this whole um, sort of fuss about that. Um, eventually, they did, and there was a an app uh, which is called which was called RSS Player or something at the time. I think it was, um, and this was sort of a bit of a revolution. You know, you, instead of connecting my iPod to iTunes as I have been doing that, you know, everything came straight to my uh, my iPhone. But uh, that app, it was a bit buggy. And um, I guess, like all sort of good developers, if if something's not working quite right, you know, I want to fix it. Um, and I kind of resisted for ages. You know, I was like, I'm not going to do anything about this. It was about a year, and then eventually, I thought, right, I've had enough of this. I'm going to write my own version of this. And uh, I kind of went on eBay. I bought a Mac for five hundred pounds. Um, turns out, in the end, it was from a guy who worked at the same place I did, which was a bit bizarre when I came to to pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I picked, I picked that up uh, and picked up a book on Objective C and then sat myself down. I told my wife, right, leave me for an hour every evening. Just leave me alone. I've got something important to do. Um, and that was kind of May of 2010. And by August, RSS Radio was on the App Store. Wow. That I mean, first of all, that is an inspirational story. And I think the lesson we can learn is don't put up with uh, buggy apps. You know, if we... Instead of going to uh, the app store and just having a you know a, a rant on there about how buggy the app is, do what you did. You know, do, do your do yourself a favor and, and scratch your own itch and develop your own app. That's wonderful. Yeah, I mean the same thing sort of applies today, really. If if you you know if you have an idea for an app, you know what the first thing you should do is like you search on the app store um, and see if there's anything there. And what you might well find is that whatever's there is not that great. And of course, that's a huge opportunity to do something better, and that's exactly what oh, I did with RSS Radio. Not, not that that first version was great, mind you, um, but in the in the many versions over the years, uh, I think I've pretty much refined it down to a fine art by now. Yeah, you know, because I do think Apple made a mistake. I mean, I look, I listen to, well, I think about my own journey as a podcast listener, and I. I was like a little bit like you. I ended up listening to podcasts fairly early. I, I can't remember the exact year, but I do remember that it was because Ricky Gervais brought out his podcast with Carl Pilkington. Yeah. And yeah. I used to listen to that on the iPod. And uh, I really enjoyed, you know, the fact that I could get this content and it was not on a radio and I didn't have to stream it onto my computer. But uh, for some reason, I kind of lost touch with podcasting. And I think, when the iPhone came out, there was no way of, it just didn't feel intuitive. And and then uh, maybe two years ago, 2012, maybe, no, sorry, actually, it's probably 2011, I started listening to podcasts again because we get them through the likes of um, the podcasting app and I guess RSS radio. And it became so much easier because there was no syncing. 
And uh, then, uh, you know, I just seem to listen. And I wondered how many people don't even know that podcasts are out there. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's quite a few less these days. Um, I mean, as you, as you probably know, in the in the UK, the BBC are actually quite reasonable with um, both having podcasts for their popular shows and mentioning them on those shows. Uh, that that certainly helps us here in the UK. Um, but you know, obviously, podcasts is a worldwide thing, and it probably varies from territory to territory. Do you have any predictions on the future of podcasting, Daniel? Do you feel like uh, yeah, you could tell us where it's going and and uh how likely it is to to grow i mean because obviously radio is still the absolute dominant uh, you know in terms of audio uh, the dominant uh, technology yeah i mean i think podcasting has a place and it has a, a place which is growing because you know we're, we're all used to our dvrs for tv and we want things um you know at the time we want them um you know the, the fact is when i go out to walk the dog i want my favorite radio program to start right then um, and, and that's what podcasting gives you. Um, so I think it's getting bigger. And you know, I, I can see the usage numbers, obviously, for, for RSS Radio. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, you don't have to give away you know, numbers, but certainly could you give us a sense of how much more do you think it is now, your, how much more popular your app is now compared to uh, when it was first launched? Well, I mean... It, yeah, I mean the the uh, I mean the, the first couple of days I probably had eight to ten people download it. Um, you know, these days it will be eight or nine hundred a day. So the, the, what that shows you is that there's you know at least a thousand people searching on the app store for podcast, podcasting, whatever. You know, every day, um, and and that's pretty reasonable, I think. Yeah, and and the reason I chose RSS Radio is I remember like you have some really good ratings. Now, I, again. You know, there's a, we're going to have to talk about this as a, a real problem because if you're getting that many downloads per day and then you look at the number of ratings that you have, it's obviously a very tiny fraction of the people using your your uh, app or even bothering to give any kind of feedback through a rating. With the ratings, it's really difficult not to be discouraged from putting an update out because you know that your rating is going to disappear and your sales are going to go down. Um, and you know, I, I think Apple should think about that. You know, just having changing it for something as simple as um, you know, your rather than the ratings for the current version, making it maybe a thirty-day rolling rating. You know, would totally get rid of that. Yeah, so it can be a big problem. Yeah, and also I do feel that they need to think about how we could uh, incorporate the rating within the app itself, so you don't have to leave the app. Uh, so many people must, uh, you know, try, try and get ratings. They do the pop up. Uh, so when you first go into an app, hey, leave us, leave us a rating. And I'm pretty sure 99 percent of people dismiss that because they want to go straight into the app and use it. And yeah, uh, which is which is totally understandable. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's not it's not up to the uh, to the users to sort of you know make up for the Apple or the developer shortcomings. Um, but yeah, it's it's a, there's a very low a very low set low proportion of people. Who, who write an app. Yes, yes. So that I just wanted to get that out there because, uh, uh, you know, we do have a lot of indie app developers listening. And uh, even if your app has only, only got a handful of uh, reviews, it doesn't actually indicate the popularity of that app. No, that's right. And I mean, one thing about um, sort of you know, being an indie and you know, as, uh, I'm here by myself, you know, it's just me, um, is most of the feedback you do get, unfortunately, is negative because, uh, you know, it's from people who need help. Um, where something is is not working either with the app or with you know maybe the publisher's podcast in my in my case, um, 
you know, so we've got to keep your got to keep your spirits up. Yeah, and actually, it just reminds me, I did have a guest on the show who was trying to resolve that exact thing, where I think he was he was incorporating some kind of feature where you'd be able to incorporate it into your own app, and it's a it's almost like some feedback for bugs. So you're trying to encourage the user not to go to the reviews and leave some review about you know a bug that can be fixed, but uh, actually communicate with you directly within the app, and uh, it just sounds like a a good idea oh definitely yeah yeah i have uh, in all my apps i have a little standard kind of feedback uh, system um which will it ends up as an email to me um but it attaches various sort of information about uh, you know the, what the user's using the app for and that kind of stuff um and you, you've got to have some way of the user getting back to you or what you'll get is negative reviews on the app store from you know rightly frustrated users so, Daniel, you are living the life that many of my listeners would love to live, you know, supporting yourself with your own apps. I know it's, I said it at the start there, where it's the ideal for many of us. And uh, what's what, what have we got to expect if we quit our jobs today and start to develop apps? What advice would you be able to give us in terms of how to do it successfully and make the switch? Mm, yeah, well, I'm... I thought, you know, I described myself earlier as kind of an accidental entrepreneur. And, and what, what I kind of meant by that was I kept my day job. And I probably kept my day job for too long. Um, so, you know, eventually it was just I had to, you know, oh, you know, I had this money coming in from, from my apps. Um, and, and it just it made no sense to keep going to my day job. Um, I wouldn't leave it that long um, for other people. But definitely, I think... Starting it as a spare time hobby can both take the pressure off, and um, and also you can maybe be a bit more creative uh, without worrying too much about maybe revenue initially. You know, just have a good if you've got a good idea. If no one else is doing it right, you know, you can put something out there and see if it works, and then you know, sort of a gradual switch over um, is it, certainly what's worked for me. Um, I know there there probably are people who just one day decide they're going to quit their job, write an app, and, and go off into the sunset. Um, I think that's a pretty risky strategy. Um, probably wouldn't suit, wouldn't suit me. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. I get a lot of questions from, just yesterday even, from uh, entrepreneurs who, you know, give me sort of uh, evidence that it's possible because look what happened with, with WhatsApp or Draw Something or, flat, you know, they give all these examples, Flappy Bird, and uh, it's... You know, obviously reported, and those those people, um, the companies that have created those apps, are doing very well for themselves. But it really is uh, a needle in a haystack kind of thing. And Absolutely, I mean, th those guys are definitely the exception. Yeah. So I just wanted to, this. You know, this podcast. The aim is to try and be as honest and real to to people as possible, and make them to help them make the right decisions. So that, and uh, I think your guidance is is very sensible. You know, to keep some kind of uh, external revenue, like a day job or a part-time job, whilst you're feeding your appetite and learning more. And then and then you know when you can make the switch because, well, I guess uh, like for you, it was uh, it was an obvious thing to do given the success you had on your initial apps. Yeah, and, and you know, also do something for yourself. So the, the best apps are always written by people who've written them for themselves, you know, because they know exactly, you're the target customer. You don't need any surveys, you don't need any... Uh, insight into what other people are thinking you know if, if you write an app for yourself you're the customer you know what you want um of course you know you need to take feedback from users into account um obviously <laughs> right. but uh but yeah if, if you can start off with something that's perfect for you 
you know, there's got to be at least one other person in the world that's perfect for it. And tell us a little bit about your other apps then. Yeah, well, the other, so um, the, the second one I wrote is it's um, it's an app called iSitter and it's a baby monitor. So um, what that does is that you use two devices, so an iPhone and an iPad, to make yourself a little video baby monitor. And in, in a very similar way to RSS Radio, this app came out of need. Um, we were we took a trip to uh, Legoland, which you may have heard of. It's a little theme park based on Lego here in the UK um, with the kids, and we had to do an overnight stay. And the hotel had promised us that the rooms would be adjoining, they'd be together, so we could keep an eye on the kids. And, of course, turn up there, they're not. You know, we're in a separate room to the kids. So thinking about this problem, I'm thinking, well, you know, I've got, happen to have, because RS Radio was around at the time, so I think I had like an iPod Touch I was testing with and my iPhone. And I thought, well, why can't I connect these two together? Then I could, like, keep an eye on the kids. Um, so I looked on the App Store. Um, there, was a, there was a couple on there, but they didn't work. So I thought, well, again, I thought, well, I can do this. I'm going to write my own one. Uh, and uh, you know, I did it again, and uh, that, that actually was—it's been pretty successful for me. That one—that's that, a wonderful story. In fact, it reminds me a little bit of me because I had uh, a, a need. I had twins four years ago, and uh, one of the things I wanted to do was to uh, play uh, sounds of the womb to them so that they could uh, relax. And and so I ended up doing um, an app that's called the newborn baby sleep that uh, plays different sounds uh, similar to the womb, like the sound of a vacuum cleaner and the sound of a washing machine or sort of stuff. And then you can play that through your uh, phone and play that, play that to the babies. And uh, yeah, get some reasonable downloads for that. And uh, it's, it's kind of, again, I think what I'm learning from this is just to be reminded that it's okay to build stuff for yourself because inevitably others will find that useful as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the way I look at it is it's okay to have problems, particularly problems that can be solved with an app. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that's good because uh, a, lot of, um, a lot of people have suggested that, that you know, you need to go out first and uh, uh, try and get some feedback and try and get some support for your app before even building it. And I guess you're giving us the perspective that, you know, actually it's okay to, to just do your own stuff and scratch your own itch, I guess. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, you know, we have to bear in mind that these days the app store is is much more crowded. Um, so you know, if you have an idea, then you know there'll be um, you know several apps already doing the idea probably now. Um, then maybe you know, I was lucky; I would accept that. And, and it was early on, so there was less you know there's less competition. Um, but I, I'm I'm always of the um, of the opinion: put something out there, and then take feedback. You know, I'm, I'm a sort of version 1.0 and then refine it kind of guy rather than, um, you know, spend years perfecting something and then have a grand opening. Well, this is, let's get into this because uh, I do interview a lot of startup founders who have a lot of money. You know, they get millions to, to have a big launch. And, and for indie app developers, we just don't have the funding. Maybe a lot of us, like yourself, probably end up funding the projects ourselves through our own time and our money. So... It would be really helpful, I think, to share any guidance you have on uh, almost trying to uh, launch or uh, get the most downloads or get the most success for your app. Is, is there anything you can tell us to, to give us some guidance on uh, how to have successful apps? 
Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the best marketer, um, but I, what I have learned is that there's a particular window, which is the first seven days. And in the first seven days of an app, you have a uh, some kind of boost in the search rankings. So um, what what you need to do is make that seven days count. So if, you, if you're going to be able to get any press or any um, other publicity or you know, be on a podcast, whatever, uh, for your new app, make sure it's in that first seven days before release or for after release um, because that, that is absolutely crucial. And uh, if you can get enough downloads within that seven days, then you will stay up in the search ranking. And um, although Apple doesn't currently provide any analytics uh, to sort of back this up, I've got a quite a strong sensation that keywords and searching on the App Store is how most people find their apps. I don't think the top the top lists are particularly important. This is gold. This is a gold mine because we, you're right. Apple do not provide us anything to go on, so we're all and it, it can be a little bit uh, antiquated. You know, their search engine uh, certainly. You know that it would appear that way because we know that when they had to ban uh, Flappy Bird clones going into the App Store, and that what I couldn't understand, and we've had a previous guest talk about this actually in one of my earlier shows, is why were they banning these clones? Why couldn't they just um, lower, you know, negate their search rankings? <laughs> and so, uh, uh, so we know that they're a little bit antiquated in terms of their search. So what you're saying then is the first seven days, and this would actually back up, I think, Daniel with. Some other guidance we've had on the show, um, episode 97, I think, with Andreas Kambanis, where he he linked up with um, a, a joint venture partner who had a really big list but did not have an app. And uh, he managed mm. to groom his list, tease his list, uh, do a promo and get that, that first seven-day window uh, that get a lot of downloads. And that obviously then led to the success of the app uh, eventually after that. So that's... Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you, if you don't make that first seven days count, you can sort of sync without trace. And that, that is, you know, that's unfortunately quite usual on the App Store. Um, I think it probably is possible to come back from that. Um, but it's going to be a, a hard work. And, and if, you, if you really think you've got something good, you know, make that seven days count. And so if seven days is so important, what about uh, if, you, if you do sync with a particular app, is it worth uh, taking it off the store, changing it slightly and doing, a, doing it again? Mm, probably, well, from that point of view, possibly. Um, I, I, I nearly did this myself with um, uh, I, I, RSS Radio has various uh, signal processing functionality and I thought I could turn this into a recorder. So I put a, a dictaphone app on the App Store and um, unfortunately this had a crashing problem if, if, if hardware, some sort of hardware encoding isn't available on the device, which it may or may not be. It's just some weird Apple API thing. So of course the first 10 reviews I got were like one star. And I, I seriously considered like pull this, change the name, start again because I, I knew about this. Um, I didn't in the end um, because it sort of recovered and it was all good. Um, but I think certainly if you, if you have some kind of disaster, I wouldn't be afraid to do that. Yeah. Cause you're totally, you're the, totally the reverse of uh, some other guests. I'm thinking Gabriel Macherette, who puts probably 500 apps a, um, a month into Apple. So, uh, <laughs> he's obviously taken the counter of uh, your strategy and just tr- hope, hoping that, you know, flooding the uh, app store with his apps will then lead to some kind of success but it just shows you that you don't need a lot of apps to sustain a a reasonable lifestyle and and create an income so um, yeah yeah you you certainly don't need lots but i would um counsel people probably if they're going to do what i'm doing to have more than one 
because you know I talked earlier about iTunes, you know iTunes Sherlocking the original Windows RSS radio. Um, you know I do uh, I do wait with bated breath for my app figures email every day. Um, thinking this could end at any point. So it is somewhat reassuring to have a few different apps. Just out of curiosity, you know, the, um, I guess it was probably back in uh, June, maybe. I'm just trying to think of when the default uh, podcasting app by uh, Apple, when it had these uh, known bugs and it was causing a lot of yeah. crashes. Did you see then an upsurge in your download figures during that oh, time? Oh, yes, oh, absolutely. And some guy actually put a review on the store saying, uh, I bet you're the only guy who's happy when... Uh, Apple's podcast <laughs> app I, I looked at that and thought, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, it just shows the power they have, you know, because um, the power of default in a way. Mm, yeah, I think it'd be, it also, I think, um, it gives a hint towards the, the bias of search on the App Store as well. Because um, I, I, in a lot of countries, I do quite well under the, the podcast keyword for search. Um, not the US, but pretty much everywhere else I do really well. And I could see a correlation between those countries where... I, where I did well in that keyword, to like to that that boost in in sales. So it's basically it was people you know searching the app store for podcasts because the podcast app's broken. Right. Okay. Now the one thing we like to do. I mean, we've got about five minutes left of um, the interview, Daniel. So what we like to do is try to think of new app ideas for the audience, the apps to try to take away, and. I guess I could ask you straight up whether you have any ideas you're willing to share with us. If you don't, we do have another way of fleshing out ideas from you. <laughs> I tell you what, I, obviously I knew you were going to ask this question, um, being a listener to the show. So um, I thought of one earlier on, on my dog walk, and I'll tell you what it was. It was um, a way to measure your kid's feet without uh, having to actually measure it using the <laughs> iPhone camera. And, and you know what? I looked on the App Store and there's five other, five apps already doing it. Oh, I can't believe and, uh, that. That's a genius yeah. idea. Yeah, we did, think, we did um, that last week, in fact, when our kids were just starting school. It, well, exactly. Start, it's exactly why. We're starting school. You know, you need school shoes. The kids need football boots. You know, this kind of stuff. Um, and unfortunately, I think that's, that's, uh, that's very common with ideas on the App Store. Okay, so here's, here's the idea that's coming out of that. And it does actually correlate to an, another interview I had. Uh, is the the whole problem of discoverability. So I needed that app last week when we were in a shoe store, you know, looking for sh uh, kids' uh, shoes. And and it took a, uh, for ages trying to get measured. And if I didn't know, I would never have thought of searching the app store for that app, but I needed it. And so if there was any way of having some kind of app that would push out potential alerts to us when they like for example they would have known i would was in a in a shoe store because um possibly of ibeacon or what you know gps and uh, then suggested that app to me uh, mm, yeah well we, we're getting a little bit of this aren't we with ios 8 so um i noticed that uh, the argos which is a store here in the uk on their logo appeared on my ios 8 lock screen as i was walking around town because I was near their store. And I think um, the, the US guys are seeing something similar with Starbucks, and there are a few others. So there's something going on with that. But um, I'm not sure Apple are telling everybody about it. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> well, that's, I think that's, uh, well, anyway, that's uh, the idea to come out of that, uh, is some kind of discoverability of, of 
showing us apps when we need them the most. And, you know, maybe Google's a little bit better than Apple, I guess, at this whole thing of uh, trying to predict what we need before we actually know ourselves with Google. Well, that's, their, that's their business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, what, well, given that you are an indie app developer and you've got 13 of your own apps, uh, we know that they're probably your favorites. But uh, outside of that, do you have one or two apps that you could recommend to the show that uh, you think that we may not have heard of before? Hmm, uh, probably not. I am, um, as you say, I use mostly my own apps, which is, uh, you know, RSS Radio and, and various others. Um, so I don't tend to use a lot of other ones, but I tell you what I'm really into at the moment, and it's it's a big, it's not not an indie one, so I apologise for all, to all the indie guys out there. Is my fitness pal? Um, I, for some reason, I've got super obsessed with uh, tracking everything I'm eating and tracking all my exercise, and uh, it's uh, it's a really well done app, and uh, it has a huge database of uh, of products. Um, you know, you just scan the barcode and say I ate this, and then it tells you if you're going to get thinner or fatter, which is you know, sometimes encouraging or discouraging, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm I'm really using really using that a lot at the moment. Um, that that's uh, well, I'm going to have to use that because I, I love the thought of that. You just scan the barcodes of the things that you yeah. eat and drink and consume, and it will give you some kind of uh, score or rating. Yeah, well, yeah, oh yeah, it seems to know everything. So you just say, oh, I had this for lunch, I had this for this for dinner, and you know, you haven't got to type anything, you just use the barcode. See, that's where, uh, you know, I do feel like supermarkets could be just tapping in and doing so much more. Imagine, like, having the ability to uh, have some kind of score when you've done your shopping uh, so that you get yeah. some kind of rank at the end of it. That would be a, a really good idea. Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed, Tesco's here in the UK have a, an app on the store, which um, it's got a bit out of date, so I think it was a bit of a prototype for them. But it actually, um, if you search for something, it tells you where it is in the supermarket. Oh, yes, and genius. I, I, just, I just cannot do without this. Oh. I, you know, I, I'm not mainly in charge of the shopping at home, obviously, but if I'm sent to the store for something, then you know, and I, it can tell me it's three rows down on aisle five. That's, that's magic. Well, uh, here's confession time. Uh, what, what I ended up doing, um, I've done it for about six months. I, I've, I've got an outsourcer on Odesk who does my shopping for me online. So um, I know my wife doesn't listen to this, so I'm quite happy to confess it. But uh, she thinks I'm doing the shopping, but he's actually going in, logging in. Um, I just provide him with um, a, a regular list and then he, he actually um, populates all the, uh, the groceries for me. And uh, yeah, we get the online delivery for us. Uh, and that's, that, that's kind that of outsourced. <laughs> so. That is amazing. Yeah, that takes outsourcing to a whole new level. Yeah. I haven't even thought of doing that. Uh, so I was just trying to think how much we could outsource our own little personal jobs that we end up doing and, uh, you know, how much of it can actually be outsourced offshore. But uh, uh, yeah, well, if you can, then great. More time to uh, do the important things. Well, Daniel, I, I feel like I could have a two hour episode with you. It, it literally it spurs so many ideas and it's just a wonderful to meet you. And uh, I know that. I'm just obviously in awe of uh, the things that you're doing. And so uh, would you be able to tell us how best we can connect with you, how we can reach out? Yeah, sure. Just uh, I'm just uh, at RSS Radio on Twitter is, uh, is probably the easiest way. Uh, so you can get in touch with me there. Wonderful. Well, Daniel, you are an inspiration to Apps to Tribe, me in particular as well. And thanks for joining us on the App Guy podcast. And uh, thanks for helping me distribute my content. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, as I say, I'm a big fan of the uh, the app and uh, recommend everyone now stop this show, go and listen and, and don't listen to me until you're listening to me through RSS Radio. Absolutely. And our RSS Radio will even take all the, all the uh, pauses out for us. So uh, I won't sound like I'm so, uh, so an amateur at this. You know, that, 
I must admit, I confess I didn't know that. So is it doing it that doing that currently? Because I listen to most things on two times speed. All right, yeah. If you go in the now playing settings and turn on silent skip, it will take out all the spaces between all the uh, all the words. Okay, for those lucky listeners who have gone to this this far in the interview, uh, you're going to get now some tips on how to listen to your podcasts because there's a few things I think you should be doing. Uh, one is I I I I really do encourage uh, listening to things uh, certainly at least one and a half times the speed, normally two for me. I've, I've trained myself. It takes a bit of time to get used to it, but it's certainly, you get through the content a lot better. I, uh, and then because I don't have sponsorship, I'm happy to give this tip away. Uh, the RSS radio allows you to uh, do 30 seconds into or 60 seconds into the show. So I have that by default. <laughs> so I skip all the ads on some of the shows that have the ads up front. Uh, I'm sure a lot of podcasters are kind of probably in two minds about that feature. But uh, is there anything else I should be doing, Daniel? Well, the one thing that I really like doing is, the, is using the syncing. So I have um, I have here on my desk an iPad, which is just a stand, um, and I tend to I tend to use that to listen to podcasts. And then you know when I'm ready to go out with a dog or whatever, just pause it on there, syncs over to my phone, and picks up where it left off. Um, I find that really convenient. I don't find it terribly convenient to use, use my phone because I'm always using that for other things. Um, so I find that convenient. Right. And what do you do? You actually download the episodes as well, or do you stream? Because I noticed you had a warning up there about like streaming is probably going to take. Up yeah. That's a, the, the, yeah. I have a warning which basically says um, if your streaming doesn't work, don't mail me and be angry. Um, which really is just apologising for the state of uh, the world's internet connections. Um, in, in actual fact, streaming generally works fine, um, but I, I do download, uh, and I do that because because um, then I can use all the uh, signal processing stuff to take out the silences and that kind of stuff. Um, so that saves me a bit of time. Uh, oh, really? So, so, so let me just understand this. If I download uh, an episode, because at the moment I, I don't like to use a lot of space on the podcast. Sometimes I've got so many podcasts, I end up like uh, eating up a lot of space on my small 16 gigabyte phone. So I tend to stream. But if I was to download, are you saying that then that would be where they take the pauses out? That's right. The, you, if you, you can then... Um mainly a limitation in, in the iOS APIs that are available. When I've got the file downloaded, I can do all sorts of interesting things to it in terms of processing. Um, and so you have an equalizer, you can level the volume, um, you can take out the spaces, uh, and you can also boost the volume if, if, if it's so needed. Um, and because of the way those kind of things, some of them have to read ahead in the file and that kind of stuff. You can't do that if you're streaming. Um, so that, that gives a bit of an advantage there. I mean, taking out the silences on kind of your average indie sort of podcast will save you 10% anyway without even any one and a half times playback or whatever. Um, and you can't really tell it's even happening. So it's, it's going to save hours of your life if you uh, do turn that on. Right. Okay. So that's all in the settings. So, you know, you were saying that the file is all processed at the end of um, once it's downloaded. Is that all done automatically or do we need to play around with the settings? Uh, the it depends. The, for more recent users, the silent skipping stuff is on by default um, because it, it was not, made no sense to leave it off. Um, you're a, a little older user, so your your defaults might be turned off. Um, but right. it happens all in real it happens all in real time during playback, so you can flick them flick those settings on and off and um, and see see how you like it. Great. Well, uh, that there's a little bonus there for everyone who stayed late because uh, that that is we, we often just get used to 
you know, I guess playing podcasts the way we, we've always done it. And uh, as you say, we could save uh, big sec- sections of our life by just uh, turning on these uh, settings in the back. So Yeah, I've actually got a little feature coming up um, in the next update where on the settings screen it will tell you how many, how much, how many podcasts you listen to in terms of hours, like in the last week, and like how much time you actually saved with the silent skipping. Ah, uh, see now this um, is where Daniel, you need to go. You need to have gamification of uh, the podcast. Well, yeah, you're right. It's a little bit like that because it has kind of sort of some fun wording. So if you if you spend um, you know more than I can't remember what it is, more than thirty percent of your waking hours listening to podcasts, it kind of you know makes a jibe at you. Or if you you know, like hardly spent any time. It says you've got to do better. This kind of stuff. So, so. you need to have a look at the Nike app and uh, and incorporate some of those for podcasting listening. So when I run with the Nike app, I get like cheers from my friends on Facebook or. or <laughs> and so maybe when I'm listening to a certain educational podcast, maybe a highbrow podcast, I could get like some cheers. For that's it. right. That's right. Uh, or, or if it's a lowbrow one, you know, maybe not so yeah, much. Yeah, booze. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, to be able to see, uh, I think discoverability of podcasts is very important as well. So to uh, to be able to see uh, trending, I mean, I know uh, iTunes is pretty antiquated in this. They have new and noteworthy and most featured. And uh, But it, uh, what I don't like is um, in the podcasting app that they use, the charts is full mm. of it really is full of um podcasts that were not updated for about four or five years and yeah. they still they still obviously get a lot of downloads or somehow are still ranking very highly and it just seems crazy not to have an updated chart yeah they probably have a, a large weighting on the historical downloads or something I, I know the app store seems to do that um yeah and it yeah it, podcast discovery is a tricky a tricky thing um i would love to do recommendations in rss radio so it would look at what you already subscribed to, and then would recommend recommend other things that um, you know other things that you would like. Um, but uh, I just haven't got around to doing the server side code for it because uh, I think that I think that'll be pretty useful. Yeah, well, um, I did listen to a podcast where the founder of Airbnb talks about uh, that we do want things that are curated in our lives. Now we want people to curate our lives. That we trust, so I trust RSS Radio. So I would like. Yeah, that feature where it's just telling me what I need to listen to, and uh, uh, just be it's just so much easier than you know having to find all this stuff out ourselves. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, Daniel, I've taken loads of your time. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, and all the best for the future. Yeah, thanks, Paul. It's been real fun. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast.